0: Welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now. I'm Jake Novak, your host, here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Please follow me on Twitter, at JakeJakeNY is my Twitter handle. You can find me on Facebook. I have a couple of pages on Facebook, like a personal one and a professional one. They're both open to the public, Jake Novak, and N-O-V-A-K. You can find them. Uh, I post regularly. I post often. Uh, I usually add an analysis and insight, but I also have a lot of stories that you might not see elsewhere. So, again... At Jake, Jake, NY is my Twitter handle. In Facebook, you can find me, Jake Novak, N-O-V-A-K. I want to talk about this week as we begin this new week with the still biggest running story here in the United States, which of course is this uh, partial government shutdown, which is starting its fourth business week, I guess you could say, today. And, uh, you know, how I think that's going to play out, uh, how I think it's going to end, and uh, I want to talk also about a couple of things that you need to be watching just to make you, yourself a little bit a better of a better news consumer. Uh, something that I've been talking about ever since I used to teach journalism at NYU a decade ago and, and, talk and written about it many times is, you know, news is just like anything else that you might buy in a store or spend money on or spend your time on. It is something that you need to scrutinize and be a better news consumer. And I try to give people tools... And so when when I usually say that, people say, oh, well, well, what network should I watch and what newspaper should I read? And I say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. (laughs) What I mean is every single item that you look at, you still have to scrutinize in a certain way. So it doesn't really matter necessarily what newspaper or what website or what television network you watch. Uh, That's not the first place to start. The first place to start is to take a look at every item that they're trying to serve you and and scrutinize it. And even if you found a newspaper, website, television network that you really like – uh, you, you can never stop scrutinizing it. Now, I don't care how good a restaurant you go to, you wouldn't close your eyes before you looked at the steak or the chicken that you're about to put in your mouth, okay? You'd still check it out. So I, I want to talk about that, and and, and and this week's tool is going to be looking at some of the, the, the cliches, the phrases that you keep hearing over and over in all from all sides in the news media uh, that you need to scrutinize a little bit better, and uh, I'll talk about that. And uh, I'll talk about some of the other stories that are coming out in the last several days, and and again, ways that you should look at it. And finally, I will have my... What I'd like to do is start doing a little bit of a weekly smile. Uh, It's what they sometimes call in the news business a kicker, but I don't like kickers necessarily, because they end up being just like the squirrel water skiing video, which is cute enough, I get it. But I want to bring a little bit something more to the table, so I have something that will make you either smile or say gee whiz, and it's kind of a good thing. So... I'll do that today. Uh, I want to start with uh, the government shutdown, and I want to start with um, I want to start with how I think it's going to end. I want to start at the beginning, at, at the ending. Um, I, I think right now, as we're reaching into this again fourth week of the government shutdown, I think that we've been given a lot of hints, mostly from President Trump, about how this is going to end. Uh, now, again, what we're dealing with here is a debate over. Not necessarily a policy. Everyone's going to say it's a policy. You know, the the Republicans or the conservatives or President Trump's going to say it's about building better border security. The Democrats will say it's, oh, no, we don't want that kind of border security. We think it'll be more effective to do something else. Let's, again, let's, so let's be good news consumers here and good political consumers here and realize that that's just not true. What's going on here is whether or not the Democrats want to allow President Trump to fulfill a campaign promise. You know, the funny thing about President Trump is, I think his opposition is mostly angry at him when he, when he keeps a promise because that makes the rest of them look bad. You know, most politicians don't keep their promises. So I think that's one of the things. And, and to get funding for a border wall, no matter how he gets it, and no matter how much of a wall is actually ever built or barriers are ever built, will seem like a victory to him. And they don't want to give him that. They want to see him lose on that. They want to see him compromise to such a degree on that that it looks like he's given up. They feel that'll be a big win for them in 2020 as the election goes on and so on and so forth. For President Trump, uh, he he believes that these kinds of barriers and structures will work. He just does. Uh, I think that, as I talked about in last week's edition of Novak Now, I think it's a simple case of, can we focus on the areas where the border is porous? Because where the border is porous, where there isn't enough protection, where there isn't enough of a barrier, where we don't have enough customs agents, border agents, I'm sorry, not customs agents, border agents, that is what I would call an attractive nuisance. It's too attractive. You, you figure, you know what, it's it might be worth going, crossing the hundreds and hundreds of miles from Central America to get to our border if you think you can get across. Which, of course, easier said than done, and even if you do get across, easier said than done. You know, life isn't easy as an undo, uh, undocumented immigrant. I, I certainly don't think it is. So, I think how are we going to end? I think President Trump's been giving us some hints. He's been talking lately through Twitter and through some of his live interactions with the news media, which, by the way, are quite numerous. There's never been a president who's given more honest, and by honest, I mean just off the cuff. I'm not saying everything President Trump says is true, just off the cuff, unprepared, back and forth in the news media. Just never had a president who's done this as often as President Trump does. He does it more in one week than any other president before him did in eight years. I mean, that's just the way it works with him. Um, anyway, uh, he's been giving a lot of hints about money coming into the country that wasn't there before. So, for example, you've heard him say a couple of times lately, talking about the tariffs that are coming into the U.S. Treasury. Now, he's been inaccurately saying it's coming from China. China isn't paying them. It's the U.S. consumer or U.S. businesses that are paying the tariff, because if you buy a, a product that has a tariff on it, it's the consumer, it's the buyer who pays the extra price for the tariff. Uh, but nevertheless, he's saying there's, you know, billions have come into the U.S. Treasury that way. He's talked about the money that the government will save, the Pentagon will save by this withdrawal from Syria, which we don't know how fast it's going to be. We know that equipment and vehicles were withdrawn this week. Still, no troops. But he's talking about the money saved from that. He's talking about the money that the, cover, that the country is making from the new trade deal with Mexico. There have been a few other places where President Trump has talked about extra money coming, coming into the government. And I think that's the hint. He's going he's gonna to come out. I think the way this is probably going to end. I don't see the Democrats uh, compromising on this one. I think they've decided that the most important thing for them to do here is to make President Trump not fulfill his campaign promise on building the wall. I think that that, to them, is the most important thing. Uh, anything else, whether it's providing a path to citizenship for the dreamers who they were crying about for months and years up until now, now they don't care about that. The fact that President Trump's offered them that compromise, and yes, that offer was rescinded, and then it was brought back again, but that was because of a, uh, of a decision by the, by the courts, that made things very, very difficult. The Democrats are trying to portray the offer on the DREAMers as something that President Trump has rescinded. He has not done that. That offer is is, is very likely still on the table in, in all of its generosity. It's a great deal for the so-called DREAMers, that is the children of illegal immigrants who, who came into this country as children. Um, so there's that. Uh, But I don't think the Democrats are just there's anything that there's going to do to change their minds about this. So again, it's just the House Democrats, because the Republicans have a majority in the Senate. They need a 60 vote majority to get this done. I think President Trump's going to do something along the lines of, yeah, declaring a national emergency and taking money from somewhere else in the Treasury or somewhere else from the budget and putting it into that border wall funding that he wants. I think that's how it's going to end. And the way that it ends best for President Trump along those lines is if he says, look, We've listened to the Democrats for however many days saying how terrible it is that these federal workers aren't getting their pay and how terrible it is that the government is partially shut down. So I'm going to listen to them and I'm going to end it. Now, if they don't like the way I'm ending it via a national emergency or whatever kind of declaration or an executive order or something like that, if they don't like it, well, let them go to the federal workers and tell them, sorry, you, got, you should keep not getting your pay so that we can beat President Trump politically. Let them go to the uh, national parks and everything else and tell people, hey, we're keeping them closed because we have to beat President Trump in this little battle that we're having. I think that he needs to let their energy work in his favor. You know, instead of f- pushing back on it, let it go and say, hey, yeah, you're right. It's terrible that these federal workers aren't getting their checks. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm going to end it now. And if you don't like it, if you're, are you actually going to go to the courts? Are you actually going to try to stop me from ending it in a way that at least half the legal scholars in the country think is legal? I think there's a good number of legal scholars who don't think that the National Security Declaration is legal, but there's a good number who do. And since that's kind of a split decision, you want to you roll the dice on that and keep this government shutdown going long enough that now it's on you. So I think that's really the best way for President Trump to end this. And I think that's how it is going to end. I think it's going to end, I think, uh, I can't imagine it going six weeks. We're starting the fourth week here. It might go another week or so. But I feel like every Friday night, you know, just as just as the week ends, I think those are the best, like, most likely times for the shutdown to end. And I feel like every Friday night coming up on the horizon here is is when we're going to see this happen. So, Look for that to happen, you know, maybe again on Friday and look for some kind of declaration. I think that the Trump administration would love to avoid the term national emergency declaration. But let's see if they can do it any other way. But again, I just don't see the Democrats backing down on this. I really don't. Uh, To them, they believe that there's just so much political capital in being able to block the wall. And right now that they, they believe that Trump and the Republicans are being blamed more for the wall, which I think most polls are saying that. But it's not a huge, massive majority of Americans who say it's Trump and the Republicans' fault. Uh, there's plenty of people who say it's both yeah. sides' fault. Uh, and it's just another, a, yet another case where establishment politicians think that they're so superior than the other side or those who, us, or those of us who aren't in the political class, and they're just not. Uh, there's not a lot of love for the Democrats on this just because they might be polling slightly better than the Republicans and President Trump on the shutdown. What they don't understand is how much, and how much... You know, low, low, uh, uh, low, low esteem the American people put both, both parties. They really do, and, and, and Washington in general. So, again, uh, m- my prediction is that it ends either at the end of this week or probably next week with some kind of declaration from President Trump. He'll put that money through. It'll be challenged in the courts, as he has predicted and I have predicted many times. And let's see where the courts come down on it. But again, someone has to make that challenge. Who's going to file the challenge to, sk- to keep that government closed? Now, remember, the courts could rule either way, but someone's got to bring the challenge in the court. The court can't just make a decision. Someone's got to bring the challenge. And so if the Democrats are going to be that insistent on stopping Trump from getting his wall, they're going to have to go to one of the courts and say, yeah, we want to keep this government shut down. Stop President Trump from declaring the national emergency and and ending this impasse. That's going to be a tough uh, tightrope for them to walk. And President Trump might just force them to do that. Now I want to get to just that news consumer part here that I was talking about before when I started today's edition of Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the terms that you hear, not only in connection with this shutdown and, and wall debate, but in a lot of things. A lot of times you hear politicians and pundits, mostly pundits in the news media, talk about how President Trump or sometimes another politician, it's usually something that they ascribe to, Republicans or conservatives, playing up to their base. They're saying that Trump is just playing up to his base here by talking about border wall, by talking about the dangers of illegal immigration. He's just playing. And when they say base, they mean, they're, what they really mean to say is rabid right-wing morons. That's what they really want. They want to say that there's just some crazy group that supports President Trump, but also pressures him. You know, it's kind of they kind of really can't quite define it the way that they'd like to. I don't think they could define it even if you, if you asked them on an essay question and at a high school level essay question, define Trump's base, they, they wouldn't be able to give it a, a satisfactory answer to so your, you know, to, to a, a fair social studies teacher, if you ask me. But they, they like to throw that out there, Trump's base, as if President Trump has some kind of group that he not only wants to help and wants to make happy, but is also afraid of because they might turn on him. Uh, which just goes to show how little anyone's been paying attention, or these people who have been willfully just not paying attention to what's going on. Uh, Donald Trump dictates to the base, so-called base. Donald Trump dict- doesn't really have a, quote, base. What he has is 90% of the Republican Party. He has 90% approval among Republican voters, which is something that President Bush, George W. Bush didn't have, President H.W. Bush didn't have, even Ronald Reagan didn't have that number. And it's hard to explain for those people who feel very strongly about Reagan or the Bushes. I get it. It's, it doesn't seem to make sense. But you know what? Don't fight the, the, the numbers if you're trying to figure it out. Now, the 2016 general election between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and you've heard me say this before, that was an extremely, extremely close election. You know, if they don't run up the numbers in California in all the chicanery that they pulled off there to boost the numbers for Hillary Clinton, or whatever they did there, then that is—it's really, an election that's just probably the closest in history as far as the popular vote is going. The Electoral College was not as close as the two Bush victories, the two George W. Bush victories. Certainly not as close as some other elections. I get that, but it was a very close election. You know what wasn't close? You know what wasn't close? The Republican primaries—they weren't close. President Trump, Donald Trump won them by tremendous percentage points, uh, percentage point advantages time after time with very few exceptions. So, the Republican Party is with this man. Okay? If you want to call it a base as if it's some kind of group of looney tune people, listen, you go ahead and do that if that's the way you feel about Trump supporters and Trump voters. Okay? But to try to separate them from the general core of the, of the Republican Party is ludicrous. The numbers just don't prove it. The primaries didn't prove it and the polls don't prove it. So not only is that a message to the pundits and the Democrats out there who keep whining about Trump's base, it's a big message to Republicans who think that they can do anything to defeat Donald Trump in a primary. You know, the John Kasichs of the world, uh, he's not running for anything, but the Bill Crystals of the world, these Republican never-Trumper types who have every right in the world to not support President Trump. They have every right in the world to point out things that they think he's doing that are not becoming to the conservative cause. They have every right to do that, and I encourage them to continue doing so when they see it that way. But what they're not understanding and what they didn't get is, a, is the kind of humility they should have been served by the, by the primary results. And I say that because that's exactly what I got. When Donald Trump first announced his candidacy and started along the road to running for president in 2015 and early 2016, I thought that this was a ridiculous candidacy. I thought that he would have no support. I thought it was really bad for the conservative cause and for Republicans. And then I saw the primary results, one on top of the other. And I I had the audacity to say to myself, hey, Jake, you were wrong. There's plenty of people in the Republican Party who are so frustrated by the Republican Party's lack of action on Yes, immigration, lack of action on foreign aid, lack of action on some of these foreign wars, and you always thought they were in the far fringe of the party, and now you realize that they're really a majority of the party, and they've had it with establishment Republicans who all they really seem to ever succeed in doing is cutting taxes, which, by the way, is a good thing. Most Republicans by far really want taxes cut, but that's not all they want, and for years they wanted something done about illegal immigration, and they didn't get it because the Chamber of Commerce corporate... Republican wing of the party had the power, didn't have the votes, but had the power and was able to look the other way on it for so long. And so after all those years of that kind of pent up, you know, anger about this, particularly on the immigration issue, Donald Trump was able to walk through a very wide open door for himself. And I don't, again, I I have nothing against the, the the right or the, uh, the reasons for Republicans who want to stand up to president Trump, all 10% of them, because again, Trump has 90% plus approval among Republican voters and Republicans in general, but if they do so without admitting that they have failed on so many levels, allowing Donald Trump to do so well in the primaries and win the presidency, if they don't have that humility, if they, don't pre- if they don't really start with the humility, and none of them have, I haven't heard any humility from John Kasich, all I've heard is scolding, I haven't heard any humility from Mitt Romney, just scolding, I haven't heard any humility from the Bill Crystals, none of it, no humility, it's just Trump is terrible, we're better, and and we're going to have a chance to overthrow him. It's not true. None of it's true. Okay? There are better people than Donald Trump in the Republican Party, that's for sure. But those who are better than him are the ones who have the humility to realize that the voters had supported him among the Republican Party, and he deserves his chance to be their representative. That's who they want. And that's who they continue to want. So, to me, this... Use of the word Trump's base, which you will hear again throughout the... You'll hear it by the pundits. You'll hear it from the Democrats. You'll hear it even from some Republicans quite a bit. It is code for those crazy lunatics who are the fringe of our party because that's what they think. But that's not who they really are. There is no real Trump base. The Trump base is the very broad base of the Republican Party, a a broader base than the presidents, the Republican presidents who came before him in, in basically our lifetime. So, again... Like it or not, you don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. You have every right to, to oppose President Trump, no matter what party you're from. Don't get me wrong, and do not misquote me as saying I'm as, as somebody who, who loves President Trump. I'm just telling you what the facts are. The facts are: is he is extremely popular among Republican voters. He is continuing to carry a banner, especially on illegal immigration, that got him elected in the first place, folks. And he's not playing up to a base, he's playing up to the wide, wide, extreme predominant majority of Republicans. And I think a majority of Americans when it comes to trying to stop illegal immigration. And I say that because no matter what the polls say, there's a lot of loaded polls about walls. They ask the voters, hey, do you want a a wall across the entire southern border, which a lot of people who even want more border security won't support because that doesn't make sense. But when you ask people about Illegal immigration, whether it's important, whether it needs to be stopped, a a, a strong majority of Americans say yes, yes. Illegal immigration is bad and illegal immigration needs to be stopped. So President uh, Trump is doing a lot more than just playing up to a base. So I wanted to make that point. Can't really start this uh, week without thinking about some of these stories that were dumped at the end of the week about investigations on President Trump. Uh, Friday night, the New York Times comes out with a story about how after President Trump fired then-FBI director James Comey, the FBI opened up an investigation into, into him because they thought, oh, he, he's acting in, in in some kind of... This seems like everything he does is helps Russia, which is not true. Uh, it, it's really, uh, again, one of those kinds of things where the headline buried the real lead, which was... The real lead is that it was a revenge operation. Comey was fired. He most likely... Uh, instructed his, uh, his underlings who were still at the FBI to, to embarrass the president with some kind of investigation. And the other lead is that they didn't find anything. What about that investigation? Did they find any evidence of him doing stuff only to help Russia? Now, I say this with the full knowledge. and I know people, I know very well-educated people, friends of mine, who believe every aspect of this Trump-Russia conspiracy Manchurian candidate thing. It makes me sad because it's, it's a ridiculous conspiracy theory, and you see people believing everything that happens... Is some kind fits into the whole this major conspiracy theory. Um, I do think President Trump has done some things to that were a little bit more favorable to Russia than his predecessors would have done. But I think there's a couple of reasons for it. I think one reason is Trump really thinks that if he can make a better deal with Russia or some kind of better relations with Russia, that that would be a real coup. And the second thing is uh, President Trump wants to keep Russia and China from colluding with each other against us. And he would like to be a little friendlier to Russia to try to keep them out of China's lap all the time. I don't know about the wisdom of any one of those policies, but I think that's one of the reasons why it comes off to a lot of people who have cognitive dissonance about this whole thing. And they want to believe every little crazy aspect of a conspiracy theory about President Trump being under the the thumb of of Russia, which is just, I I just think it's a ludicrous thing. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. But, But people who really hate President Trump and really want to embrace this this stuff and really don't want to admit that he won the election fair and square they're gonna they're gonna do this kind of thing again out of the same kind of arrogance that the never trump or republicans kind of come from you know you don't want to admit that you got your election prediction wrong you don't want to admit that you don't really understand the american people in general so you're going to support a bunch of conspiracy theories about president trump rather than admit you're wrong i mean talk about not being humble i mean i know it's it's a little (laughs) i know it's a little bit um hypocritical of me to say, I'm more humble than you, than you are, because that's sort of, you know, that's, that kind of it goes against the whole point. But I, I do have to say that there was a moment in 2016 where I went through a very humbling experience as I saw these, these primaries, and I just wish more people would have gone through that experience. It doesn't mean they have to support Trump or any, anything that he does. I just would love to see more humility, and we just don't see it. But when you get into these investigations, I, I want to recommend a book to get you an idea about how the FBI works. It was a fantastic book that came out a few years ago, by a guy named Max Holland. It's called Leak. Max Holland, Leak. You can get it on Amazon, you can read it on a Kindle, on your iPhone, whatever. And it talks about Mark Felt, you know, who was Deep Throat, the guy who, who, who leaked to the Washington Post and some other uh, news organizations, including Time Magazine, and I think sometimes the New York Times, aspects of the investigation into the Watergate break-in and how they connected to President Nixon. And the book absolutely does not, does not exonerate Richard Nixon. He's guilty of all the things that, that the Watergate investigation found, all that stuff. But what it does do is it shows how deep-throat Mark felt had no interest in justice, had no interest in truth. He just wanted to embarrass his superiors at the FBI, make President Nixon angry at them because the investigation was, was getting somewhere, folks. He hoped that, that the director of the FBI at the time was a guy named Patrick Gray. He was hoping Richard Nixon would fire him so that Mark Felt could be the director of the FBI. In other words, he wasn't interested in truth or justice or, or, or getting a crooked president out of office. He wanted, he wanted a bigger job for himself. And, you know, you read that book and it's just like, wow, this is not, not much has changed at the FBI in 40, 50 years. It's the same place. And, you know, it's not so much the FBI only. I don't want to just single them out. I think when you get to the top levels of any federal bureaucracy or bureau, this is what happens. It's all about getting more power, keeping power, the whole thing. So before you start falling for every little thing that, the, that leaks out of Comey or other people about how they were investigating President Trump or what investigations were going on, remember their motives and remember the MO, the long history of, of the FBI and bureaus like it and the way that they've acted in the past. So read, read Max Holland's Leak. Fantastic book. You can get it uh, uh, and read it on your phone or, or get a hard copy. And as we come down to the last few minutes here on Novak Now, here on the Nahum Siegel Network, I want to give you your weekly, a, a weekly smile, uh, something I'm, not, I'm going to try to insert into most of uh, the programs here that I do here for the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, a great thing that happened last week, and then how that reminded me of something even greater that happened years ago. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a great story out of Israel last week where it turned out that... An F-15 flight, F-15 fighter jet that an Israeli pilot and his navigator were flying. The canopy, I mean, that, that clear canopy, the, 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 the top of the jet came off in mid-flight. They were at 30,000 feet. I think the temperature was negative, like 17 degrees. They were in real peril, and these pilots were able to land the jet safely. A great story. And the non-Israeli um, defense media uh, there's a number of defense journals you can read. I read them every day called Defense News. There's a roundup of the news every day. They're already calling this the aviation feat of the year, even though it happened on January 8th or, or, or maybe a day before that. But it happened in January, the first week in January. And it's just an amazing job by those Israeli pilots and also an amazing job by the F-15. The F-15 is a durable fighter jet. There's a reason why, you know, it's, it's still in, in use in, in a lot of uh, top militaries uh, you know, around the world, the the Air Force in Israel continues to use a lot of F-15s, even though the F-16 is more used, and the F-35 is going, you know is going is is this superior jet fighter because of its stealth capacity and its ability to take off from hovering position. That whole thing that's the F-35, but the F-15 is still in use because it's a darn durable you know machi- piece of machinery. Uh, and uh, you know not to take anything away from the pilots, they did a great job of landing that jet safely, but. Let's give credit also where it's due to, the, to McDonnell Douglas, which built the F-15. McDonnell Douglas is now owned by Northrop Grumman. But McDonnell Douglas built the F-15, and it, it's a darn durable uh, piece of machinery. It can take a, a licking, and it can continue to perform, especially if you've got good pilots in there. So that was, was one thing, and, and it, it reminded a couple of people that I know and reminded me of another story about an F-15 coming out of Israel. This is an amazing story. Look it up on Google. If you don't believe me, this is true. But in 1983, so we're talking 36 years ago, in 1983, the Israelis were doing a training mission with a number of F-15 jets. And by accident, one of the uh, F-15 jets was flying upside down. That wasn't by accident, but while it was flying upside down, it clipped the jet on top of it. The, other, the, the Israeli jet on top of it, and damaged the jet. So that jet on top of it that was damaged, saw the pilot of that jet saw the fuel pouring out of his jet, saw that he was really losing control of the jet, told his navigator sitting behind him to prepare to eject, and then he just thought for a second, you know what, wait a minute, let me just hit the afterburners one more time and see if I can stop the spin, because he was spinning out of control, see if he could stop the spin and land the jet, and he did. Hit that afterburner, landed the jet safely just a few meters before he would have run out of space on that runway. And then he got out of his jet, and to his shock and horror, he saw that his right wing was completely missing on his F-15. In other words, he was able to land that F-15, not only through his own great skill, but the plane was durable enough to go a little bit further and land safely. No one was hurt, despite not having a wing That's your F-15, and that's your weekly smile. That's Novak Now for this week. I'm Jake Novak. I hope to speak to you again next week here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Have a great week.